May it be your will, Adonai, our God, that a mishap not come about through us, and may we not stumble in a matter of Torah and cause our colleagues to rejoice over us. And may we not say regarding something which is to may that it is to whore, and not regarding something which is to whore that it is to may. And may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of Torah and we rejoice over them. For Adonai grants wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding of God. Unveil our eyes that we may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. All right. I just read, um, I was reading the first verse of chapter 10. The first. Italian regiment is how mine translates it. That's exactly right. And they are right in their translation, actually. You know, you just said it was off the, off the record, right? <laughs> I don't think the audio is on in here. It says all fair. <laughs> I just got a notification that it was going live. It should be going live. What's that say there? All fair on the left. Where does it say? Oh, it says off air. And it says off air. Hey, how about hey. Um, I think it is live. It is live, but I'll, I'll double check. It might that might not be it. Yeah, so fresh. maybe you can help um, get this updated. And I'll go ahead and teach, and you just uh, oh, oh, something just happened. Hey. Yep, that's good. Does it say we're on now? Yeah. Yep, it's running. Cool. Whew. Two minutes in. Hi, Joshua. Hello. Do you know uh, Kurt Powell? Kurt Powell? Yeah. Where's at the bank? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, there you go. He says he knows you, too. How, how do you know Kurt Powell? <laughs> we were going to the pistol range, so he could qualify at the range. Put on that's some new sights. How come he, trigger? He has the best socks in the entire bank. I have noticed <laughs> that he has great socks, though, so that's a good thing. Okay. I just dropped the loop there. Yeah. He's a Cubs fan, though. Yeah, I heard all about that. Dampener. Okay, so w what was it that brought Cornelius to God's attention? I thought this was pretty cool. Everybody jump at once. It's going to be tough like that. Your prayers and acts of charity. Yes, or alms, depending on your version. That's exactly right, acts of charity. Um, More than just acts of charity. It says that he was generously yeah. giving charity. Yeah, so... It's like the we start with the prayer for the Torah in the morning, and you've got the... It's one of the things they quote from either the Mishnah or the Talmud. I can't yeah. remember which one which. But they list the things that have no measurement to them. The Mishnah's in the Talmud, so if right. you say Talmud, you're Yeah, there we go. You say the Talmud, one of those books, you know, there yeah. they have a quote there, and they they uh, they mention that the things that have no measure include um, taking care of, you know, like the the, uh, yeah, the pilgrimage, the, the taking the corners of the field, because you because the corner's not a measurable right, item, right? right. How big and then corner? one of them is is charity that you can give as much as your heart desires, That's really, right. but there's not like a there's not a limit, like That's you right. you passed. Yep. So this guy apparently is going above and beyond. Yeah, and had a good reputation. Um, how do you feel about the fact that uh, it was his good works that got him noticed by God? I mean, from a Christian background, just to try and stir the pot a bit. I mean, normally we... I've been taught in the in the church that my good works are as filthy rags and 
God doesn't take any note of them until he regenerates you. But yet at the same time, there's a lot of visiting the sick and there's a lot of works that maybe they don't understand that Torah is behind. Okay. But also think of like Abraham. I mean, God actually says, <laughs> he's talking to the angel so uh, around the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, how can I not tell Abraham what's going to happen? He's a great man, and I know that he's going to raise his children to do all these different things. Be obedient. Later, he's talking to Isaac. God tells Isaac, I chose Abraham because he kept all of my this, man, that, and it is. Same deal with Noah. Same deal with Noah. Yeah. So, apparently, we may have been misled if we were told that the work said nothing to do with uh, our status. So, well, our ability to do the works is still a gift from God. So there's a, not a lot we can be, you know, full of ourselves over. Um, and I mean that in a literal sense. The fact that you can physically are breathing, heart is beating, you can give alms physically sure. is a gift from God. I get it. I'm, I'm just, I was struck in the first paragraph by the fact that this guy did not go to the church building you know, did, did not get baptized. Oh, didn't do the Christian works. <laughs> didn't do, yeah, he didn't, he didn't go the right way, and yet his, his actions were... Uh, it's always actions. Uh, it's either a formulaic prayer, or it's a baptism. Right, and then a formulaic prayer. Oh, yeah, or, or whatever it might be, but it's always something to do. I mean, that was the whole point of James, right? Exactly. We didn't get there yet. Yes, sir. I was struck by the uh, prayed continually. Yeah. Very... Being in a in a, uh, an attitude. Well, I mean that's what we've been taught in the church, right? Yeah. That, yeah. that that means you are always in an attitude. You kind of, of think about it. But having the uh, a Torah background that gives that so, in, in a yeah a Jewish background it gives that phrase a different meaning. To yes, it. it sure does. In fact, you know one of the things that we we try and share with folks that are coming to visit and pray with us is that in in Christianity you pretty much pray to yourself. And in, in Judaism and most of the rest of the world, that's called thinking. If you want to pray, you speak out loud and normally only loud enough so that you and the Holy One, blessed is He, can hear you. Um, but it is definitely an action, and that whole continuously leads us to look at the, the whole yeah, temple of service morning, thing, right, morning, afternoon, evening. Yeah. Uh -huh. He was doing the prayers, presumably. If you're, if you're a devout Jew, you spend a lot There's a lot of time, time in prayer. prayer. <laughs> well, you count blessings. Yeah. I mean, a hundred every day. And... Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I just thought there was a couple of ironic things here. Um, what was Peter's given name? Simon. 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 Who was he lodging with? Simon. 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 Yeah. So, Simon. Simon and Simon. They had a TV show like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Garfunkel. It would have been, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, another thing I find interesting is that it says he does not stare at, he did not stare at the angel in fear or awe, but in terror. Isn't that something? And I just, I'm just shocked at how many people around this time are having these amazing visions. <laughs> Even non-Jews. 
what stood out to me this year that was different than I'd seen before was that he is a devout soldier. I'd never noticed that before, but the guy that he sends is a devout soldier, and it says he explained everything to them. And you know the devout soldier had to really be devout. Yes. Because if your boss comes to you and said, I just saw this guy, his face was on fire, he told me, you're going to go find this other dude, you know, 70 miles away from here, I'm going to send you on foot, I want you to come and bring him here. I mean, he's a Roman centurion. If he said, there's a Jewish guy, you need to go snag and bring him back here, they'd be like, okay, fine, we do it all the time. But he actually explains the whole situation, which tells me that the soldier really got it. Yeah, and that he was devout was probably why he chose that soldier. But also stands out is the fact that I assume he's only devout because of Cornelius. I mean, it feels like the whole Abraham and all of his men yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's good. So, how many men did he send? Three, three, including the okay. devout soldier. So he had the devout soldier. Who two soldiers. Two servants. Two servants. That's exactly right. So. It's funny that everything that Joshua just said about the devout soldier is not necessarily true about the servants, but it could be. And you, you know, kind of lump them into this group that he's um, moving towards, uh, and if towards you, faith. If you know the geography of the land, uh, Cornelius is in Caesarea or Caesarea, mm-hmm. on, how do you, how do you say that? And then he sends them to Joppa. Right. Down which is just down the coast. Yeah. I mean, I guess by then, if you're traveling by foot or by horse, probably One, a couple of hours yeah. down the coast. You'd be yeah. really tired at that point. The only place to stay was called Joppa. So. By the sea. Yeah. By the sea. Okay. So, what time did Peter go on the roof to pray? Six hours. Yeah, I know it says a six hour. I'm trying to figure out if you know what the sixth hour is. Uh, that would be six a.m. No, no, no. six p.m. No, I'm guessing closer noon. to six hours after the sundown. About noon. The way the Romans calculated time, <coughs> they started at six a.m. and first hour, second hour, third hour. So the third hour was an hour of prayer. That was nine a.m. The Lord was put on the cross at nine a.m. Right, and then. At the sixth hour, noon, the sun was darkened. And then at the ninth hour, three in the afternoon, he, he, was, uh, he gave up his life. So he went on the cross at the hour for Shacharit, and he gave up his life at the hour for Minka. So Peter went up. This has happened to me. You know, when will lunch be ready? It'll be a little bit. So you go in the garage to work, you go out in the garden to pick, whatever it may be, and you fall into a trance. It happens so often. Um, a working trance. <coughs> right, it's a working trance. Was it any surprise that he got hungry? No. No. It's, when you work, it's you lunchtime, hungry, right? Yeah. yeah, okay. All right, so, yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. All right, yeah, all right. Um, so he's commanded to kill and eat. What does this tell you about the animals on the sheet? That they're unclean? No. No. He's told to kill alive. and eat. They're alive. Because you got to kill them. Okay. So how many of you knew that what he said was almost a direct quote from what Ezekiel had said? Anybody? Can I, pick that? I knew the story's parallel. I didn't realize it was set. That's amazingly close, yeah. So Ezekiel 4, tell me what's going on there in it, you know, generally. 
I hope they don't make Ezekiel bread exactly the same way that Ezekiel made his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it could have been a little weird there. Yeah. So what's what's the deal? God is describing what's about to happen yeah. to Israel. Yeah. And how it, he has to lay on his left side, yep. or someone on his right side. Yep. He has to take a clay tablet and you know, show Jerusalem under siege. Yep. All that stuff. Right. And he has to do one more thing to demonstrate what they're going to be doing. And that is cook his lunch over dung. Over dung. <laughs> Which now, is light a fire. Very flammable. Yeah. I mean, dung, you know, pick up a couple of cow patties. Those suckers will get you started if you, you need something to start your fire and keep it going. Um, but we're not permitted to do that. We are permitted to do it with cow dung, but we're not permitted to do it with our own dung. Our stuff needs to stay away. So that's what Ezekiel was uh, told to do. So what was Ezekiel's, specifically, what was his concern? Not kosher. It's just not kosher. I've never done this, and almost like I'm not going to do it now. Now again, this is one of those visions that we said last week was weird, right? This isn't your normal, and you hear something, and you get up and do it. Not unlike what Joseph did over and over and over again. Um, this is one where there's talking and there's response, and you can actually interact, right? So, so he's got the interaction. So. Um, the resolution for Ezekiel's concern? Um, the Lord said, yeah, okay, you can use it. Yeah, we'll right, cow. We'll use, yeah, cow dung, sure. Okay, so good. Um, so, did you catch what I was trying to say in the study guide there about unclean and how this is a, this is a food term, right? We, we become unclean many times through food through many things that we could touch, but um, this this word is used in Leviticus 10 big time for the for the whole food thing. So so I guess the food thing is synonymous in Greek with Siri. <laughs> so what's Pete's concern? His concern is these aren't kosher animals. I can't do this. Well, think about that one. I, just a thought. I can't wait. So it says specifically that in it were all kinds of animals. Yep. does not say that all of them were unkosher. It also says... It didn't say how many were unkosher at all. Right. It also all says crawling from. creatures. Yeah, we can presume that possibly there were some that were, but... Of interest to me, and this is just, well, well I'll, I'll expound on that later when we maybe talk more about this, what the dream means, but I think that the use of his words and the response back is the key right. to the dream. Agreed, um, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that there were any kosher animals or anything kosher that he could eat in that sheep because he could have killed and eaten the right one. It could be like, you know, choose the cup you want to drink from the well of living water. You didn't choose wisely, you know. <laughs> so all of the cups are, you know, all the animals are unclean but one. You'd think he would have killed and eaten mm. the one, potentially. 
Not necessarily. And I mean, you can probably expound on this a bit more detail. Depending on, I don't know all the rules that Peter's dealing with here, but along the way, you've got uh, clean animals. I mean, one of the biggest things today is the kosher slaughter technique, and you have got to be very skilled. No, I understand. I understand. Blade has guy, to be sharp. There this has guy's to be... a fisherman. I'm, I'm betting he can kill well, an animal. My, my only point, though, is that in addition to the um, explicit biblical commandments on what types of animals to eat or not eat, yes, there are also additional, if you want to call them extra-biblical, Talmudic, whatever, rabbinic commandments that tie in specifically to how you prepare an animal to eat. No question about it. I'm just saying... He didn't say, well, I know I can eat those four over there, but I can't kill yes, them. Yes, he did. No. Because there's two words he uses. Okay. Let's take a look first at the animals, and then we'll look at the two words. So, all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds of the air. NASB says all kinds of four-footed animals. And in fact, tetrapoda, or tetrapoda, really is the Greek, right. it is four-footed animals. Right. We're pretty limited on the four-footed animals that we can eat. But there's all kinds of course four-footed animals. Right. Um, crawling creatures of or, the earth yeah, or reptiles. birds yeah. of the air. That's how NASB translates it. Yeah, um, a creeping animal of some type. But I mean, I think it, to me it goes back to how do we, how, how can we make the presupposition that nothing was kosher and it comes to me it comes back to his response because he says I've never eaten anything unholy and unclean so to me that says there wasn't anything kosher now your point is maybe maybe there was a clean animal that for some other technicality you know maybe the cow had a tumor growing out of the side of it or something. Sure, you know which, mean? which would be... But that would still be an unkosher... Even, that's that's no longer a kosher animal, right? Well, it depends, well, it depends on your standard of kosher. But the important thing here... No, no, we can't depend on the kosher standard if you're actually going to the Talmud now. We, we already have the I, standard. I'm saying, right? I, as I'm saying, it okay. depends on whether or not you count that as right, God ordained right. or not. But the important element here is the two words there are common and unclean. And I, I know that in the Greek, they're kind of interchangeable. I get that. But... Even in the different versions, they translate common as also as unholy. You have that reference as well. Mm-hmm. That word is almost identical. Those two words almost identical to what you get in the Havdalah prayer, where we say that God separates between holy and profane. Yeah. Well, we say profane because that's just the word we use as the opposite of holy. But in Hebrew, hol just means common, normal, not right. holy. Right. So, like in the middle of a holiday, you have cholam away. It's right. the Right. Common days of the holiday, they're just not the holy days. Well, in the in rabbinic in a rabbinic system, especially even today, but especially I would think back then, there was a tendency to extrapolate a temple level holiness to everyday life. But that was only done by Pharisees. Well, but Peter's been falling around a Pharisee for you know a while here. Okay, I say that. But, but he was chosen because he was an Am Ha'aretz. He was nothing but a fisherman. He wasn't steeped in the Torah. He wasn't steeped. But in I think it's extrapolating to say that he. That I'm just saying that there's a there is an out here in which he's not being told to eat something unkosher explicitly. Perhaps it's simply a variation. But I don't on think standard. that the rest of the text 
cares? Well, but God does. God's response, he says, what God has made clean, do not call common. He uses, he flips them. He doesn't yes, he use does. the same words yes, that Peter does. does. But is he talking about the food? Well, ultimately, no. Well, that means no, right? No, but I mean, in the, in the vision, it's the, the analogy is the food. So, so what is he trying to get Peter to understand in your mind? In my mind, the idea is that um, P Peter's concern is, I think the people and the animals parallels. There are people out there that are somewhat dangerous. That's why we have certain rules about don't make covenants with these people or that people, don't marry these people and that sure. people. Sure. But you can't apply a strictest standard to everybody because there are some people that are not common or they're not unclean. They may just be normal, normal Joes. But so in this case, the animal parallel to me makes sense if that's what they're talking about. Because so wait, I didn't get what he's talking about. What is God trying to get Peter to understand? That Peter's lumping all of the Gentiles in the same bucket, just like he's lumping all of the animals into the same sheet, if you will, and they're not the same. There are some that he definitely can't, and there are some that are okay. But he's putting them all at the same level because of his standard. And I think that what God is saying is with people, same thing, well, more, even more so applies. The standard, which by this point, as we've all noted previously, is a, is, is a standard established by the Sanhedrin, so it's not saying rabbinic per se, but you get my point, um, is you do not go into a Gentile's house. Sure. So God is saying here, that's not right. So I'm just saying that I can see the parallel to the eating elements. Uh, sure. And I think we all can see the parallel. Um, I think I would lean more towards the animals being unfit to eat completely because of the parallel to Ezekiel. Peter obviously saw it as the same as Ezekiel. There's a man being given a vision by God to do something that he knows he cannot do. And Peter's saying, I can't do that. I, not only can I not do it, I've never done it. So is it really important that they're all unclean animals? Probably not, because to your point, there may be, there may be a complete speculation, there may be food that he's not going to eat because he's acting like a Pharisee and treating everything like the temple, which the master pushed back against, including the hand washing. Right. So I would say Peter's probably looking at unclean animals, knows he can't eat them, parallels with Ezekiel and says... I can't do that. I haven't done that ever in my life, and I'm not going to do it now. But curious, so to comparing to Ezekiel, where is the reference? I'm sorry, apologize. Just curious, where is the reference to say you can't eat things cooked over human dung? You can't. You can't do anything over human dung. It has to be outside your camp and put in a hole. But my understanding, the interpretation is that's strictly based on military camps. That there's a. It's a camp in the wilderness was sort of a military encampment. Sort of a military encampment, but it but was never another way to do it towns there was never another way given to do it and why would ezekiel say it was unclean unless ezekiel was wrong but ezekiel wasn't wrong because god changed what he had to do i just thought that god being gracious to a standard okay Connor? well i i think um regardless of the what what view you want to take about the sheet it's clear from from the surface of the text that in Peter's mind it was these animals were un, un inappropriate, true, right? Okay. You bet. I agree. Now, 
the parallel to Gentiles, keep in mind, what was the halakha at this point in time? It, the halakha that was in effect, that he was bound to, was the, it included the 18 edicts of Shammai, of which one of those was absolutely no interaction with any Gentile ever, period. You know, and that halakha, we know, was subsequently overturned and thrown out. Sure. Right? So, so, it, so it was not from, it was not ultimately determined to be um, um, from God because mm-hmm. it was ultimately thrown out as, no, this is not right. So this is so here you have so here you have a, a situation where um, uh, he's having this vision and then this Gentile shows up at the door to summon him to, to right. take him back to Caesarea and he's like the halakha would say he can't yeah, go with that go. person and he's told not to hesitate. But Hashem says, go, and, and the reason he says to go is because Cornelius is a non-Jew, but he is not a pagan. And keep right. in mind that at that time and in that society, if you were a Gentile, there's a 99.9% probability that you are also a pagan. Absolutely true. And yet we there, were not, there were not monotheistic Gentiles like we have in today's society. Well, there were. Well, there was enough to have a court of the Gentiles that was humongous, but, but very small compared to the rest but, of the Gentiles on the planet. But the court of the Gentiles was also, in my opinion, was also more of a prophetic thing of, of the temple is going to have a court of the Gentiles because... There is going to be a day when the nations of the world will be monotheistic and they will come up. Well, right. we also know in the Master's Day, the big question was, what are we going to do with these Gentiles? There were so many Gentiles, but in that but in that time frame as well, Jews. In in the time frame we're looking at, first century, we're talking about um, a, really a um, smorgasbord of religions are out there. And I mean, to, to, I think to kind of to your point here, it's not necessarily that people coming to the court of the Gentiles or even interested in Judaism are actually monotheistic. They may have been, you know, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'll grant you that. But we have to recognize that one of the biggest questions of the day is how do, how do non-Jews convert? That's why Paul had to deal with it so well. Yeah, but Paul, but Paul is, I mean, Paul is... is um, Certainly, well after the master. I mean, um, no, and, not that long. After. I mean, not that long, but not. I mean, so in the same century. No, granted, but 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 it, that whole issue of what do we do with the Gentiles? The Sanhedrin was gone virtually after sixty six, so they're dealing with it before sixty six. No, I, I understand. I understand that. I but, mean, you're talking thirty years here, right? I I, get, I understand the timeline. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, when when Yeshua was walking the planet, there was not a, a discussion about what do we do with the Gentiles. Yeshua, I mean, we all know Yeshua interacted with Gentiles 
but probably I can count on one hand. Absolutely, yeah. and even then, and there was not a lot of just there was not a lot of discussion from the master about what he do with Gentiles because he wasn't here for the Gentiles. Correct, he wasn't. That discussion arises in the twenty or thirty years later when Paul's ministry and calling to the Gentiles is stirring the pot. But there was already when he stirred the pot. There was already set halakha on what the non-Jew had to do. It's already done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had you had the four things you had to do. The offering circumcision. Well, that's 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 Acts chapter fifteen. We're not there yet. Uh, before that, it was already set no, halakha for the Jews. Okay. They're arguing now that they don't have to do that. That's where Paul's coming from. The conversion steps. The conversion steps. Well, were, were uh, before well, that. Yeah, okay, for, That's for what conversion. I'm okay, for for legal conversion. That's what we're talking about. And now yeah. Paul is arguing they don't That's need not legal what we're talking conversion. About. Paul says we don't need legal conversion. But but we're not talking we're not talking about I'm not talking about legal conversion. I'm talking about the edict of Shammai that was the halha that said forget about conversion. Right. You can't even there's no you. there's no interaction yeah. with Gentiles, period. Right, right. You can't go into their home, all that kind of stuff. And, and he even says, Paul, Peter even uh, says Peter's that. bound to that halakha right now. Absolutely. And he says, two, two, three verses later, you know it's unlawful for me exactly. to come into your house. Absolutely. I'm with right. you. One other quick thing to throw in, regardless of how you view the vision and whether or not God's telling you to do something against the Torah or not, which sounds weird, um, we can come up... If you, Although there's precedent for that. Well, I was going to say, if we count the Ezekiel instance, there's at least three times that something like this happens. The first one being Abraham. Yeah. God tells Abraham, take Isaac up and kill him. Well, he's never actually doesn't intend for him to do that. It was it's simply a, it was a, it was an object lesson. Same thing with Ezekiel and same thing with this. hundred percent. So that's why I don't think it's, you know, it's worthwhile for us to argue, were all the animals non-kosher? I think you can argue they were. I'm willing to say they weren't all. But to, to lean on the fact that he didn't want to kill and eat because he couldn't kill, I think he's weak. Oh, I was just doing as an example. Yeah. yeah. All right, so this is cool. Unclean and common. Common, what, what, what do we call the version of Greek that the people spoke in that day? Koine. Koine, same word. Koinos is common. It's just everyday stuff. And then unclean, is in, in Hebrew is Tamek, right? Right. The other thing I was thinking about here is if the Christians were correct on the interpretation of this dream, the obvious next part of the story that we're missing is Simon the Tanner calls Peter down for a pork barbecue lunch. That's exactly right. I mean, that's obviously the next step. But oddly enough, in the middle of lunchtime, they're not, Peter doesn't run out, wait, 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 we can go and eat the catfish. Let me go get some right now. I don't think there's catfish in that part of the world. Well, but um, <laughs> I think it's it's I think it's really good to parallel this with what happened with Abraham and Isaac, uh, because you would argue I would argue Abraham got further than than Peter had a chance to because she's taken back up, and it never says whether or not can he since he refused he never did anything. Whereas Abraham's standing there, he's got the knife, he gets tied on the altar, he actually built the altar, literally he committed to sure. it, and then they like, okay stop. Yeah. And, and even so according to the midrash, she actually did it. Right, so I, I think it's important, you know, to to keep that in mind when and if we ever have this conversation to parallel those two because I think that's a strong uh, yeah. case. I think it's also um, 
strong to parallel with Ezekiel and show that Ezekiel had the opportunity and flat out said no, and God relented or adjusted. And in this case, Peter flat out said no, and God, again, relents or adjusts. Right. I'm, 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 yeah. How about this example? When, when Hashem tells Hosea mm-hmm. to go marry a harlot, uh-huh. right. yeah. and he actually and he does. does it. Yeah, that's <laughs> Do exactly that. right. Again, the prophets really had a tough time having to they some weird live things. out what's going to happen here and make it make them see a visual well, aid. And even, I mean, as a sheer technicality, there's even a rabbinic principle where a temporary, I know this sounds crazy, there's a rabbinic principle where a temporary suspension of a commandment is occasionally permitted if the object listen is extremely important. The example they give is Elijah. Elijah builds an altar on the wrong mountain, <laughs> offers an offering on the wrong mountain, but it was absolutely critical to getting the people to turn away from the idol worship they were doing. So therefore, it was permitted because he happened to be someone with, with unique cases. He had the authority and the situation that justified it. He, he also um, is one of the few guys who's been able to call down fire from heaven. Right. I mean, I, mean, I think that, it that seems to me that the... Um, that the the uh, that God was okay with that actually. The whole deal there. Right. No. Exactly. So, but I'm just saying that, like, if you, I mean, we're going to go down this path where, oh my goodness, I think God told Peter to do something that's against the Torah. It's like we've seen this movie before. Absolutely. And but I would say that we should all remember that when God does that, He's trying to make a major point. And most of the time, if not possibly all the time, depending on how you interpret what Hosea actually does, because the sages play games with that. Ultimately. Um, they almost never do it. Right. So, right. I mean, so, common, what's the opposite word? Holy. Holy. Right? Clean, what's the opposite? Tahor. And? Tahor. Tahor. Okay. So, do you get from the words that are used, they're wor- using a word that is very oftentimes associated with people, we become unclean when we do or whatever. Um, common and holy are normally not people words. They're vessels and stuff like that, right? They're things that are set apart. People normally aren't set apart, although we're called Kedoshim at some points in here too. So you've got these this these two terms, one from either side, and eating certain foods can make you unclean. Token touching them and so forth. So we see where, where Peter's coming from, uh, with the halakha and everything like that. Did he understand the vision? I would say no. not on that point. Right. I mean, he, he went downstairs for lunch, or actually... Did he miss lunch? Because he went downstairs to answer the door. Mm-hmm. But they stayed, right? So they stayed. So yeah, come have lunch. I'm starving. He said less. Actually, lunch. I was starving before. Yeah. Okay, so he does not understand the vision. When he gets to Cornelius's place the next day, what does he say about what he understood from the vision? He says, he says, you know, it's unlawful for me as a Jew to associate with a foreigner. Yet God has shown me Bingo. that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. With that statement right there, Greg, 
the division have anything to do with eating kosher food? Of course not. Is there anybody who doesn't get that? Peter has made it clear that the vision was about calling people unclean, not food. You even get it. So the whole idea then would be that he was calling food or stuff unclean and wouldn't eat it. That's fine, but you can't call stuff unclean that I've made clean. Especially men who are made in his image. Amen. Amen. Good. Other comments? Yes, this wouldn't be the first time that God has used food or animals to, to represent an event happening or people. Um, you see that with dreams that Pharaoh had. It was talking about grains of corn and, and cows and all that. It wasn't about cows. Well, not really. It was, it was about a famine that was coming, but it wasn't really about the food. It was more about what was going to happen. And uh, if you yeah. notice in this dream, um, there's a numerical parallel. There's the, th- the sheet is taken up three times, and there are three men that show up at the door. I like that. Good. Um, I'm writing this down. Three men. Also, three as a side times. note, one of the one of the specific things you couldn't do with a gentile was eat with them. That's right. So it seems appropriate that you would use food to kind of make that point. Mm. And Peter's so, hungry. So what so, is he thinking so about? Remember, hang on one second. Just hang on to what Joshua just said, because in the coming weeks, that's going to be a major Bruh-ha-ha. deal. Twice, I think, for sure. So Even with poor they, Peter. Yeah, yeah, well, Peter's the one I was thinking about since who should know better, right? Yeah, all right, I got you, then I got you, and I just had one comment. No, go ahead. Yes, sir. While we're still on that, yeah. um, I think I've heard a sermon that this whole vision was to allow him to go and eat with Cornelius and eat the food they had in the Gentiles' house. Mm. Of course, Cornelius is a God-fearer, so... And he's praying at nine, uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, My right. guess is yeah. he's probably not eating pork. It's yes, probably a probably, probably good guess, yes. Yeah. Well, my only comment is this is also a good teachable moment where you cannot draw doctrine, be it Christian doctrine, Jewish doctrine, or any other form of doctrine, from visions and dreams. Which is according to the Torah. Exactly. So... So for the church to make a doctrine that says I can eat anything I want from Acts chapter ten, and you know that's a that's a major violation of and, and actually that violates and that plan. violates their own hermeneutic because they will normally say the gospel and Acts are descriptive, <laughs> but the epistles are prescriptive. Right. So they'll get doctrine from the epistles, which I think is the craziest thing now as I look back that letters written to churches that are all having some kind of major problem is where we want to get our doctrine from. Whew! Tough. Tough deal. All right, so uh, what was the... Uh, I gave you Acts 10, 17 to 23, just in those uh, short six verses, uh, vis- verses, you've got uh, whether or not Peter's understanding. In that passage, what was the one surprising word? Well, it was surprising to me. I don't know what word, but and I I found it surprising that Cornelius was well regarded by the whole Jewish nation. I would okay. think just the part that he was in, or just the few people that he knew in that right. area. Right. If yeah, it's yeah, if they're good. if they're being yeah. factual, that's a lot of people, yeah. and especially since he's a Roman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good. I I 
actually thought it was hesitation. Don't just accompany them. Accompany them without hesitation. It's like, lay this burden down here. If you're concerned, like Greg was saying before, about going with, associating with, walking with Gentiles, or, God forbid, actually going into their homes. I mean, we actually saw this already. We saw this Holocaust earlier when the Master was going to be crucified. They handed him over to Pontius Pilate, but they would not go under his roof. It says very clearly, because they thought they'd be defiled for the Pesach. That's not what the, what the Torah says. It's just what they came up with. All right. I think you also thought perplexed. Perplexed, that's yes. That's what I was thinking. He was perplexed, yeah. I, I guess that's but I think you also thought of that as an unusual word, or as a surprising word. Yes. Yeah. Because you mentioned it right before this. Yeah, perplexed. That he didn't understand yet, but then later he did. Exactly right. Thank because you. Of the, because of the vision that suddenly came to him. He right. Was like, that I would actually be perplexed, let's say, if I had that kind of thing happen to me. Yeah. So, uh, I was, uh, I was going to show you a picture of the, of the, uh, chupa, um, that, uh, Tom and, uh, Mary used in Florida uh, in January. And, um, I just didn't get a chance to pull it out. I mean, I could find it for you if you need to, but I'm sure you've seen. Basically, you know, you get the four posts, and what's suspended between the four posts? The tallit. What's it hanging by? The zitzit. So, if you'll picture this in your mind, you've got what looks basically like a sheet hanging by the four corners, and that's exactly what Peter saw. It'd probably be something not unlike that. And it says, this happened three times. Can you look at the text now with me and tell me what was it that happened three times? I'm talking about chapter 10 and verse 16. So if you back up a little bit to verse uh, 9, next day they're on the journey approaching the city, goes up six hours to pray, became hungry, wanted something to eat, but that while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance, saw the heavens open, and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Yes? Well, I think we know there's a pattern with Peter where an answer in response is repeated three times first with the uh with the rooster and then the with denying me with the denying, the denying, denying me yep and then with me you show is talking of you love me right we got three times there yeah. so i would say in this case it's the get up slaughter and eat no i won't okay don't right and so that part of it happened the sheet was just there the whole time i agree um i it would be totally consistent with the whole beach scene that they had earlier of you got a feel for Peter because it seems almost since the, the denying thing happened, God's been just kind of like. That's right. You remember, you remember the, the time three times you denied? Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna keep reminding hey, you about that. Well, he was probably going downstairs, answer the door, going, "I am such a dolt." <laughs> Such a dolt. You know what they say? It takes three times for you to you know, form a habit. Yeah, there you go. I like that. Good, good. Yeah. 
Alright. So now it's a bad time. Ed, now it's like a bad habit now. Every time he gets asked a question about eating, he's going to deny it. Yeah. So... That would be pretty funny. <laughs> so the voice came to a second time. So the voice, he hears two things. And you guys think that that happened three times. And then the sheep disappears. I'm with you. Anybody disagree with that? I, I think that was it. Okay. And when he told it again, um, you could tell that the sheet didn't come down three times. Right. You got the sheet. Now I got an interaction. Boom, 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 and the sheet's gone. But I've always thought in the past, reading this, that, that the whole thing happened three times. Mm-hmm. It'd, be, it'd be yeah. kind of psychedelic, I think. Like, whoa, I think whoa. the whole thing was pretty <laughs> psychedelic. <laughs> it would have been a, a bridge too far, I think. Okay, so... Like one of those YouTube videos on repeat. Yeah, it's like the you know the whatever it is they use to tan hides is has a really strong. The fumes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's it's like Simon the tan. I need to stop saying his name is Shimon. Tannic Stop, stop sniffing tanning stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what is? What is the whole, what's the whole controversy here? Let's, for those who maybe didn't grow up in the church, for those who are not familiar with kosher food, halakha, let's boil it down. Why is this such a controversial passage in the church? We've said a lot of it. I just want to summarize. Because the church doesn't, doesn't uh, generally recognize the quote-unquote Old Testament laws around diet and food. Right. So therefore, they're coming from the they, that's been done away with already. So, so therefore, this is in their minds reinforcing a false presupposition they already have. Okay. Or justification in some cases right. for that. Okay, and you've got perhaps a Mark 3 or it's not 3, Mark 7, seven thing. Yeah, I, I take it maybe even a step further that they recognize the, the commands in the Old Testament up to the point of Yeshua and then they changed. Right. In fact, they, they'll use this in parallel with the passage where Yeshua was talking to his disciples about, uh, about kosher food and then we've got the famous parenthetical that says, by this, Yeshua made all foods clean. Right. Then they just didn't get it until this happened, and then Peter magically remembers back. Oh well, that's what Yeshua meant. Yeah. The the the, the food, I all the foods are clean. Well, the food's now. good. I right. don't have to mess with right. this. Right. And so so and, they're and taking the kill and eat part literally, mm-hmm. and, and and running with it to to justify right. and justifying that that things have now changed. Right. And we don't have to do that, the Old Testament stuff. Right, anymore. right. Or like we talked about with the Sabbath a couple of weeks ago, uh, with the gentleman I was talking to, that, you know, that was then. I mean, we won't, mm-hmm. you know, what, what would we be keeping the Sabbath for now? What would we be doing putting ourselves back under the law, right? right? As if mm-hmm. this Gentile or non-Jew was ever under the Torah, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. Not how the under the law parts are almost all the ones that make Jews look like Jews. <laughs> but no, but the thing that's weird about this dream is if you read the Torah, you'll find that God has some odd places where he decides to repeat a story or repeat a dream or whatever. 
this story gets told three times in incredible, I excruciating mean, detail. I mean, it, we, it, you were gracious enough to have us only read it the, the one chapter <laughs> this week, but it's gonna the entire thing is going to happen again in chapter 11 because yeah. Peter, you're not going to summarize it, Peter's going to walk through the entire thing all over again. Yeah. And every single time, Peter interprets it as having to do with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, if you, I mean, even if you were to argue, even if you were to possibly argue, that the dream was supposed to apply to the fact that you can eat pork. Peter's got to be the densest guy in the, in the world that he, he repeats the dream three times and not once figures that out. Right. After he's already heard these words from Yeshua, yeah, supposedly. And, and Joshua, don't yeah. let the facts get in the way of a good story. But the yeah, point, really. though, is that <laughs> what's amazing is that this dream gets repeated three times. Not once is food ever used as the, as the region for the dream. And in all of the uses by Paul later in reference to food, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get a chance to dig into at that point, he never references this dream. The only people in all of religiosity that reference this dream is Christianity as an institution. That's right. For food, I mean. Yeah. Well, it's not as if no one ever uses food as a parallel for anything ever. Yeshua <laughs> does all the time. Sure. Are we, going to, are we just to imagine that every time Yeshua does it, he's actually talking about food? When he tells Peter, feed my sheep, did he have like a flock of sheep somewhere? Need feeding, or did he have food in mind? For yeah, the sheep? I mean, yeah, yeah, so or when he said, Drink this cup, yeah, rather than drink my body, right. yeah, yeah, that, that's well, that thing. Some, some of them run with that one too. The wine, we're gonna right. drink the cup, right? Yeah, yeah. so yeah. all right, good, good, good. All right, so this is this has been great. Um, <laughs> it is clear, I think, that Peter understood what the dream meant. And if we have scripture interpreting itself, surely that's the cleanest way to move forward. Mm-hmm. Peter makes it clear that his understanding of how to treat non-Jews was incorrect, and he changed. Did Peter ever eat what was in the sheet? I think that's a pretty good point to bring up to somebody at some point. <laughs> but we wouldn't want to lose the import of this event. I mean, that's the sad part, is people get sidetracked from whether or not you can eat a pork chop, but this is why we're here. No question about it. This moment changes yeah. everything. And it started with the Italians. Thank you very much. It did. I mean, if, if it, Peter, I mean, when Peter comes back, this is a, a huge deal. Well, the, yeah, the, they, they want to get everybody together. Wait a second. They're, they're not okay with this. Right. Wait a minute. You, you went here. You did what? It's controversial. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, controversy is... And, and it just goes back to the point that he had this understanding, and it was the Holocaust. You don't do that. Right. Yeah. So go down, go with him without hesitation. It's okay. Cool. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's enormous. I mean, it, to put it into, like, it wasn't racially charged, yeah. but I mean, it would have been like... 60 years ago, you know, a white guy being told by God to go to a black church. I mean, you know, it's like the idea is... Or the sit p- in the back of the bus. Right. The point is that, like, you're talking about a institutionalized segregation that was not just the way you do it. It was the default. There was no other option. It wasn't like, that's what most people do. Yeah. So I think it's important to recognize that God uses, or Hashem, the heavenly voice, uses terms that are not normally used for food and it just lends it more credence um 
To the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Why do you think the Jews were surprised to hear that? Yes, sir. Josiah. Because they thought that because they thought that they were the uh, only ones who were going to be saved. Okay. Um, surely their understanding was if you want to have a place in the world to come, you need to join us. Because yeah. we have the place in the world to come. Good. But that, I think uh, to build on that, it was more of, yeah, you guys can come join us. It wasn't like they were handing out invitations. I mean, well, I mean, the Pharisees were actually making converts. You know, he talks about going across the sea to the other side of the planet to make convert and you know, that didn't work out well the way they treated them uh, with the burdens they put on them. But I think even now, there's the, the strong arm, you know, even at Chabad. You've got you to gotta show up yeah. several times before you're offered. An several times. For some people, I've heard you can be like halfway through the conversion process and you're still not really part of the group. Yeah, yeah. So that's a be pretty intense. Did you take a breath, or were you? Oh. I'm always I'm always hanging on every edge of your word. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Churches too. Yeah, I mean that's uh, what's that? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that happens in churches too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the really fun, you know, be the new guy in the back pew. Right. <laughs> one guy in the back pew. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if you noticed this, but this is the second time that Peter's had a chance to give a gospel message, and uh, this was quite different. At least the second time. But two times in the beginning of Acts. Right, right. Well, it was, and then uh, so, yeah. it, three thousand, then four thousand. Okay, fine, fair enough. No. But this is actually quite a different presentation. If you notice that the original one, um, he he walks in the same details, talks yeah. about Yeshua and so forth and all that stuff and who he is and what he did. He died, resurrected, he's the Messiah. Repent. That's always the way that it ends with the Jews. The Gentiles, I think he feels the need to go into a little bit of background to explain exactly what that's going to look like. And he clarifies and says, um, and he commands to preach to the people to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Forgiveness of sins through his name and believing in him are not terms you see all in every gospel presentation. My theory, and this is something just as I'm going, is that when he's speaking to the Jews, he doesn't need to give all the background sure. because they know who we're they talking know. about. They got the story. But when he's talking to Gentiles who have no idea what the Messiah is supposed to do, what the Messiah was here for, what right, right. any of the prophecies about the Messiah, he's having to really spell it out very clearly. Mm -hmm. Which I think is helpful, because if you read the, the, the sermon in Acts chapter 2, you might be kind of scratching your head going, that's not the same gospel they taught me in the church. Like, where is where is anything, really? I mean, all we get there is repent. It's like, this sounds like the same gospel that Yeshua is keep preaching right. to the Jews. So if you're starting... Or John. Or John. Right. So if you're starting or with the Torah... Isaiah or John. <laughs> <laughs> right, this so before. If you're starting with the Torah, and you've walked away a little bit, repent, and you're, you're good. If you've never known the Torah... Like the gentleman I was just talking about, you've never been under the law, then 
You just can't repent without a little bit of understanding. We need to have the Shiat 101 before we you exactly. know, get into that. Exactly. That's a good point, Joshua. That's a good point. Because um, you'll find people, well, as you delve into this journey of faith, people are always thrown when things surprise them. And you'll find that people will pick stuff and be like, oh, see, I knew the church was lying to us. Yeshua's death doesn't really mean anything. It's all about the fact that we have to repent. I think Mr. Trump does that, too. Well, yeah, but (laughs) my point is that, like, you can get caught up in, uh, even in some ways, like we're accusing the Christians of doing here, get caught up in that one story and build an entire theology out of one gospel presentation, so to speak, and miss the fact that the same guy preaching ten chapters later fills in some of the details. Exactly. That's good. Uh, in 1043, I think we had what I thought was, to Joshua's point, a, a pretty significant deal here. Um, forgiveness of sins, I think we only had once before, right? There was something that... Remember, I, the, he, there was one phrase to the Jews, he's a lot of this and such and such and we said it's not Jews for both of them it's Jews for this one and everybody gets forgiveness of sins and here everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name that's the second time we've seen this and that's significant so cool Um, in verse 44 we kind of talked about this last week and there was not a whole lot of discussion the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word What did that look like? How would they know? The believers from among the circumcised, that means they're Jewish believers, who had come with Peter, were amazed. So, or that word is also translated confused. What's uh, what's the deal? The, the deal? It's interesting. Uh, um, in in interacting with some Jewish, Orthodox Jewish friends of mine, I I was introduced to kind of a different perspective here because why is it such a big deal that the Holy Spirit is falling on these Gentiles? Um, You know, I was always, yeah, you know, I was always just under the impression. Well, okay, the Jews thought that only the Jews had access to these this kind of you know revelation or relationship, sure. with God. and and and, there, and that is part of it. But but it also has to do with the Jewish understanding of how one attains the Holy Spirit. To use that word, because in in Jewish understanding. Right there's there's a there's there's levels of progression in your spirituality, right? Sure. And uh, and oftentimes it's it's the really it's the really zadikim, the real you know the the devout to the devout you know that end up achieving the spiritual level where they have access to the you know to the Holy Spirit and have this kind of unique. Sure. Um, and in the descriptions of that, Gentiles right. are like dogs. So, I mean, so, so put it another way, in Judaism, and this is an understanding today in Judaism, sure. 
that you know you go to yeshiva you learn torah you learn the mitzvot you 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 um you learn to pray you incorporate all these things into your lifestyle and then you continue in your studies and you progress you progress and then you know and then if you're fortunate you achieve this kind of spiritual level yeah. where some of these things um, and unique relates unique aspects yeah. of, of a relationship a deeper relationship with God then start to become apparent in your walk and right. in your life right and but for but for a Gentile it's like they skip all of that and they they just they get this access to um, to the Holy Spirit and that to the Jewish mind was like huh I haven't had that. I had to, you know, yeah, I, sure. I have yeah, to go through this. I, even had I have to yet. go through all this process That's and right. study and learning and you know, and you know, and then if I'm lucky, I have access to that. You know, and they just get it. Yeah. You know, and I had never appreciated that perspective from Judaism yeah. until um, until recently, several months ago, and it it made this make yeah, more kind sense. Kind of ring true. Peter popping your head. Yeah, <laughs> Peter was visiting the other day, and, and he grabbed a book off my shelf, and uh, it was written by the Rebbe, and it was about I don't know what it was about, but he said, "Oh, yeah, you'd be interested in this," and he flipped and went through that concept right there yeah. off my shelf. He says. They think you're right here. This is you over here. You you can't get here. You it's not going to happen. You know, um, it was it was an eye opener. Um, now I don't know what I'm talking about right now. So you know, grain of salt. But it's my understanding that on the mountain, the spirit of God was poured out such that seventy languages, all quote unquote the languages of the nations, um, the Torah was heard and so forth. Um, when I look at the verses we're looking at right now, uh, specifically verse 45 in chapter 10, it says, And the believers from among the circumcised who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And I thought that was Goyim. It's not. It's ethnos. It's more like nations. So nations to me is more like non-Jews. Then, I mean, I, I, I just don't, I don't know, I don't understand the difference between goyim yeah. and ethnos, because they're not the same, and the Septuagint didn't use that. That supports your idea that speaking in tongues is speaking in languages. Um, for the next verse to say, yeah, speaking in tongues, yeah, it Which, was ethnos instead of goyim. Yeah, so. To me, I tied it back to the mountain. Um, not unlike Acts chapter 2, where you, where you got languages, nations, rather than Goyim. So, well, in 47, when Peter says, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just, just as, as we did. Have, yeah, well, so. when's, when is the we, yeah. when is the we did? Yeah, Acts chapter 2, the, sure. Well, it could be Acts chapter 2, or it could be the well, mountain. So we get the mountain. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But because yeah. as an ethnos, we were at the mountain. Yeah. 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 But the irony That's here, true. this so, so beautiful picture, is the nice. mountain experience in Midrash is when the nations 
rejected, rejected for because there, and it goes in excruciating detail. Mm-hmm. It's like so God told the Ishmaelites, "Here are the Ten Commandments," and the Ishmaelites go, "Oh, we can't steal. Well, that one can't that one," <laughs> and, and so and so forth and so forth. So he goes through several different like Gentile groups and why they couldn't keep yeah. the entire Torah. So they rejected the whole thing. And what's really interesting is that imagery showing up here. It almost feels like some sort of weird tacoon kind of moment here yeah. because these guys. The Italians fixed it. Hey, oh man, I love this book. But these guys are 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 they're devout. Like as, as we've already pointed out, they're already religious. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things you have to go and come back to your point. You're absolutely right. For the Jews, this was like, whoa, these guys get the Torah. But if you think about it, if you strip away the ethnicity element for a moment. The men in this room, at least two of them, were already top shelf religious yes, guys. That's true. So they were not, you know, just random Gentiles yeah. picked off the street. Yeah, I would, I mean, for sake of argument and, and amongst friends, I would say that they were more like us mm-hmm. than your concept would be flat Gentile. Right? Definitely. You know, they're, they probably look Jewish in a lot of their doings. Yeah. Perhaps the centurion. You know, doesn't wear a keeper with a centurion outfit, but yeah, I think that's true. Yes. And you have to, I mean, this, this, the very fact that the, it's well spoken of by the Jewish people is yeah, it's big, really it's top big. shelf. It's yeah. big. You can sew it inside your helmet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, well, that was uh, that was good. The perplexed thing I did in uh, review uh, number two, uh, I just I just thought that was the apparato was. You know his reaction to the to the vision, and you've got that happening, Herod, and uh, he heard the Lord's disciples are healing all over Judea. Thought it might be John who had been beheaded. He was perplexed. Disciples spoke in tongues on the day of Pentecost. All the people were perplexed, hearing that language in their own thing. The captain of the temple and chief priests heard that Peter and John were no longer in the prison. They get perplexed. Um, so it's there. And then it's Peter's reaction to the vision. So it's pretty pretty interesting. Which means it wasn't obvious. Right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we saw amazed, the people were amazed that Saul was proclaiming Yeshua in the synagogues at the close of Acts 10. We've got Amazed believers. What are they amazed at this time? They're amazed that the Holy Spirit's been given to the uh, to the Jews. To the Gentiles. I beg your pardon. To to the Gentiles. Yeah. Actually, to the ethnos. To the ethnos. ethnos. It's an autocon, not an omega. An ethnos. Um, so how does uh, how does this change anything in your life? We get a couple things, right? How we interact with each other, how we interact with believers in the church, how we interact with non-believers, and then the whole concept of did we see anything here? What about us, non-Jews? Um, I guess we can be encouraged that we too can receive the Holy Spirit. But if that's how you know, then maybe that hasn't happened to me yet. It had to be done by the laying of hand, laying on of hands earlier. Is it earlier or is that later? Is that next week? Okay. Earlier? Yeah, okay. Um, this time, 
He just took the message from Pete. I mean, as a non-Jew, um, you know, striving to be like Cornelius is pretty cool. Yeah, good point. Well thought of among the, the entire Jews. nation of Israel. Yeah. Um, obviously, without obviously keeping much of the Torah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But everybody knew he wasn't a Jew, but, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his generosity... His generosity was for sure. noteworthy. So, yeah. um, good. What else? Yeah. Well, I was gonna. Just, I mean, it, it's it is remarkable considering how hated the Romans were at the time that he's well regarded. Because the the way the Jewish people at large felt about Romans in general is. I mean, if you go and read any any historical document, uh, like the Josephus goes into yeah. it, like it's 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 an, it's it's really high up there in the list well, of all things and, of all and, time hate. And Josephus himself gets dinged, yeah, because he was considered a traitor because he went over for the Romans and right. started writing for them. So um, you don't you don't have very long before we're going to get some serious persecution that's not coming from Jews or one-off Sadducees or Pharisees playing Sadducees against the believing community. It's going to be Rome against the believing community. Um, and they're going to tax the Jews. And we're going to have another schism there. Because um, it's a great day to be able to say you're not Jewish. Tax day, you know. So, all right, any other comments on, uh, on Acts chapter 10? You're going to um, pick up, believe it or not. I just had you read the first 18 verses of 11 where he re re reiterates the, the deal. You'll be picking up right after that. And um, I just think in this next lesson coming up, um, we're going to have little situation. So I'd like to just prep it just a little bit. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts with regard to uh, you, you all have expressed that uh, folks in the church um, seem to have gotten doctrine out of Acts 10 or used it as a, a way of um, justifying an earlier reference in order to have some type of halakha uh, that's there. I, I think if, if you start digging into the Greek as I try to do, um, it's pretty easy with almost any of the tools on the internet to look up and see what the Greek word is. And then in many of those tools, you've got the ability then to see, well, show me where, where this Greek word is used everywhere in the apostolic writings from from Matthew 1 all the way to Revelation 21. You know, just show, show them all to me. In most cases, you would expect those words, those English translation words, to be fairly consistent. If they're really way off, you really have to wonder what went on. And um, if you've got some kind of tool that can show you how the English was translated in New American Standard versus the English Standard versus the King James and so forth, um, you can see a lot of times a little bit more variance. Um, I had the privilege of uh, studying for a time under a uh, uh, 
translator uh, with uh, Wycliffe, and he uh, he was not a proponent of the new English, uh, the, the uh, new international version. And I asked him why. The nearly inspired version. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and we all know that you know sometimes it's a little out of whack. But he had he had one of the best technical answers that I ever heard. And his answer was, it's not that they're pushing a particular doctrine here or a particular doctrine there or anything like that, or that it's a paraphrase rather than a word-for-word translation. He says, that's not it. The problem is, you don't see the thematic metaphors. Hmm. And I said, wow, that's, what does that mean? And he said, well, there'll be a phrase that's used over and over and over again in the Greek. But if you don't capture the thematic metaphors, you don't see it consistently in the English. You miss all of that. Pattern and, recognition. Yeah, and it's the same thing that we see in the Hebrew. If the translation into English is not good, you miss the chiastic poetry and the, all that called funky stuff that we love to look at. So um, I'm going to bring up some issues in, in Lesson 18 that may... Um, put a burr under your saddle. I want you to really try, I made a short lesson, so um, I'd really like you to take your time with it and maybe look at some different versions. And at times, you know, I say, you know, look for that word such and such. And I learned early on here by, by I think, lesson five, half of you can't look for that word because that's not the word your version's got. So I'm trying to get beyond that. Um, But next week, we're going to be talking about church. So, study is good. And let's, let's come together and talk about it. Oh, yeah, you're right. Thank you. That was a little sign language deal. Um, next Tuesday, um, stay home. Because um, I am going to get the opportunity to come as close as possible to my new grandson. Of course, it could be a granddaughter. Um, but uh, I've been invited uh, with my uh, fellow in-laws to, uh, to actually see my, uh, my new grandchild and whether he or she is a he or she. Uh, and then uh, we'll have a little family party after that. So um, I offered, since timing-wise, Tuesday seemed to be best, you guys are getting grumpy anyway. I'll give you a week <laughs> off. But that gives you more time to really take a look at this because, quite frankly, some people would, uh, would look, for example, at Mr. Trump over the weekend tweeting that, uh, that perhaps a former president had bugged his tower, the Trump Tower. And of course, the liberal media immediately says, there's absolutely no evidence of that. This guy's nuts. We should just impeach him. Um, but if you look back, the director of the NSA, General Flynn, was forced to resign because it was demonstrated that he had not been exactly truthful when he was speaking to the vice president in recounting what kind of topics he had gone through in a conversation on the telephone 
with the Russian ambassador at the end of the campaign, shortly after uh, the election. The only reason why that man resigned is because the Washington Post leaked a transcript of a portion of that phone conversation. General Flynn called the Russian ambassador as part of the Trump transition team from Trump Tower. So where did the transcript of the call come from? And it must have been accurate because General Flynn resigned right after it was leaked. All of that to say that even if you don't believe in conspiracy theories, and even if you think Mr. Trump shouldn't tweet, there's something to that story because there's evidence. And I think that I'm going to give you some fairly decent evidence in Lesson 18, maybe a conspiracy with regard to a major faith in the world today. So don't just rush through it and say, yeah, I did Lesson 18, I'm done. I, I really want you to spend some time. And now that you're going to have two weeks to get ready, and I hope you're going to be watching remotely and chiming in. Did anybody chime in this time? No. Is the thing frozen? Does it say we're online? Uh, no, we're it's yeah, going. It's going? Yeah, it's going. <coughs> All right. We've um, had a couple of people come in and then have left. Yeah, okay. So, so I, I will lead the, the online. You'll lead the online people. Good. Set, All right. Folks, here we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah, I'm going to have to tell me to shut up. Good. So I think that's, that's going to be a good one. Yes? On the topic you just talked about, did you see WikiLeaks? Today has released the CIA methods of uh, hacking phones and other devices, other. <laughs> like switches and all that. Yeah. So that's their biggest download. I, I'm assuming it's oh, yeah. examples of here they did it, here they did it, here yeah. they did it. Yeah. So there's like 8,000. Yeah, I don't. Samsung TVs. Yeah. 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 I have a microphone for your house. Well, they warn you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you definitely need. Uh, yeah. You definitely need masking tape or duct tape. Cover the little. You have to store bit. your your phone in the microwave. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I put it in the blender. I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I think Acts chapter 10 was good, and you know we all seem to be pretty much on the same sheet of music. We should have invited a couple of Jew, Jews and um, non-believers and just argued it out. But uh, um, I'm I'm not only very very curious about your input in the next lesson, but what you what you think it says about perhaps um, religion in general today and the underlying themes there. So that should give you enough of a uh, deal to want to read that lesson. One quick thought before we depart chapter 10 for good. Um, it's just thinking about how cool it was to be Cornelius. Mm -hmm. Like if you think about what, this is a guy who did what he believed was right with very little promise to it. I mean, I mean you, think, you think we feel like we're in an island. At yeah, least we yeah. kind of came out of a Gentile, like, um, uh, bizarro world version of what we stepped into. I mean, yeah. Cornelius is coming from we're worshiping Caesar in a pantheon to yeah. the Torah. Yeah. But he's doing it with zero support. He's not counted like he's part of the group, not really. Right. And he's not allowed to do everything that they're allowed to do. Right. And yet he does it anyway. Yeah. And he does it so well that he is actually really well liked by people who, as Brock pointed out, would normally have hated his kind. Yeah. 
And God chose him to make the biggest point about the inclusion of Gentiles in all of Scripture. Yeah, this is, this is the, the watershed moment. You know, um, we're going to read in the next few verses, uh, chapters and whatnot, where Paul or Saul is actually chosen out with Barnabas, and you get what's called the first missionary journey. Um, these guys, starting as a regular basis, starting in the Jewish synagogues, do what they can, then give up and start preaching or teaching to the, to the non-Jews. That never would have happened if that sheet didn't come down. It never would have happened if Peter didn't get hungry. Never would have happened if he didn't go on the roof. It never would have happened unless he knew the law. But it was Cornelius that God chose to use. That's exactly and I just think about, like, I think, you know, it, being in this movement can be so discouraging sometimes. It feels so frustrating when it feels like there's not that many people that keep leaving, that, you know, or that, or that the Jewish people don't really accept us right. or whatever else. But it's like, um, we've had those moments where we get a Jewish guy in this room yes. that gives us a lot more respect than we're used to receiving. It sure does. And, and that's why he's always welcome. And then, <laughs> well, but that speaks volumes not only about him, um, but also about us. Yeah. But, but more importantly, I think about yeah. Cornelius. Is it's like he, that should be our goal to be Cornelius, because he did that without any reciprocation or hope for it. Yeah. And God chose to do spectacular things through him. Amen. Couldn't put it any better. Um, we should all be modern day Cornelio. <laughs> cool. uh, you want to do the second part there? Pray for my daughter Juliana. She's uh, got one inside and three on the floor that she's taking care of for the past. They're time. hopefully all asleep right well, now. Yeah, what God God willing by His grace. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's been thrown in the deep end of the parenting pool with Joshua this past week. With uh, the Bartos is out, and uh, I understand that uh, everything went great and. Parents are coming back tomorrow. Tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. Tomorrow evening. Now, tomorrow. They should be on the flight right now coming across the ocean. Ah. They should okay. be arriving. Oh, that's right. It's a morning thing, and I couldn't get them because I've got a lunch on right. Yeah, they should okay. be in Charlotte sometime around a little before lunchtime. Good. Cool. Yep. <coughs> Thank you, Adonai, our God, that you have established our portion with those who dwell in the city hall, and you have not established our portion with idlers. But we arise early, and they arise early. We arise early for words of Torah, and they arise early for idle words. We toil, and they toil. We toil and receive reward, and they toil and do not receive reward. We run, and they run. We run to the life of the world's come, and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, In you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for us, we will trust in you. Amen. Amen. Thank you.